From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Anthony Davis was absolutely dominant in a huge win for the Lakers over the Warriors. Gave us the type of game that makes all of us say repeatedly, as we've said on this show, if the Lakers run through AD and AD runs hot, you can't beat them. That's where this all started. And a day of praise for Anthony Davis has gone wildly off the rails because of one thing said by LeBron that everybody's fired up about. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And and I'm going to play it for you again. This is what LeBron James said at his press conference afterwards about the dominant performance of one Anthony Davis. The Lakers franchise over the years, over the course of their uh, existence, has always had dominant um, big men and dominant guys that have been a force at the rim, and um, you know that's why that's why their jerseys are in the rafters. Um, and AD will be up there when he's done playing, and and uh, you know the number three will be up in the rafters, and uh, it continues to show uh, why um, he's one of the best players that we have in this league. That created great debate. Harry and I both stunned by that statement. And y'all have been calling in. So we figured we'd call in an expert. George Sedano, our buddy, always on around the horn, just kicking ass all over L.A. Uh, George, we know you got you to gotta calm us down because we're all worked up about this. Very directly, I will start you with the most basic front uh, question I can. Does Anthony Davis deserve to have his number retired as a Laker? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, if you look at the jerseys that are already retired, I think he's fairly in line with um, a number of those guys in regards to already he has a championship with the Lakers. He was arguably, I know he didn't win the finals MVP, but you could have made a strong case he was the finals MVP in 2020 in the bubble. Um, he's their best player now, um, and he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I just look, I'm trying to think of, like, who the guys in there that have, like, and they're all obviously incredible people, right? Like, they all have incredible careers of the jerseys that are retired from the Lakers. But I guess if I had to pinpoint one that doesn't, you know, I guess it's the lowest of those guys. And, again, that's a ridiculous way to phrase it. But the guy who had the, 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 the worst career of all these incredible players that have their jerseys retired at uh, Crypto.com Arena I guess it's probably Jamal Wilkes if I had to think of someone. And I would say Anthony Davis is a better player than Jamal Wilkes. So, yeah, I I would put him in there for sure. See, I, I, me personally, I don't think so. Um, Why? I did believe he had a, a, under a, a, a phenomenal NBA finals. But we also got to take into context, and I know people probably, they're not going to be this technical because, you know, Powell's name came up a lot. And I look at Powell and who he played against in championship uh, series in 2008-2009, Boston Celtics, who have a ton of Hall of Famers that they're going against. Anthony Davis was phenomenal in the bubble championship. And I get, you know, at the time he was playing against the Miami Heat and Bam out of Bayou was doing his defensive thing. And, and, and AD balled out still. But when you look at that Miami Heat team, how many people do you think on that Miami Heat team is going to the, the, the Basketball Hall of Fame? 
Yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? Like, I, I that's like that's like the transitive property. What does that have to do with anything? But that's what I'm saying. But we're we're looking at Anthony Davis in his first two playoff series. Right, but Anthony go, Davis going against the lack Nikola of Jokic big men in the, in on both Western teams. Conference finals is Nikola Jokic not a Hall of Famer? Sure, fire. Well, that's right what now I'm saying. But 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 on that run, you could point out one. So now in the first two series okay, we're, in, in we're, this, Harry, this we're, year, we're in a, we're, hold on, hold on. We're in an like, how many big men do, does he need to play against in a, in a playoff run in an era where we don't have a lot of dominant big men? Well, here's my thing: Did he play against one against Memphis? Jaron Jackson Jr. is the defensive player of the year. I would say he played against a pretty damn good one. Okay, did he go against Jaron Jackson Jr. every time he was down the court? No. I mean, Jaron that Jackson happen Jr. didn't take today's, that, didn't that doesn't take that happen role. in today's NBA. It's not 1985, okay, but I would so say he here, went up against here, him plenty. Here's, here's my thing. I will hope you would be dominant as hell if you're not going against people that live up to your standards. I will hope you would be dominant. What does that mean, though? I will hope if you're going against a Kayvon Looney who is slow, who's not as athletic as you are, that you would have 30 and 23. But I would expect that the entire series, not just game one, not probably game two or game three. I wanted seven games. If the game goes seven games, I need Anthony Davis to be dominant every game. You look at the last series against the Memphis Grizzlies, going into that series, the deficiency for Memphis was the lack of Steven Adams not being there, Brandon Clark being there. Anthony Davis was dominant in a few games, not the entire series. Well, again, because he's going against the defensive player of the year. So you're not going to have a great game every game when you're going up against the defensive player of the year. So let me, let like me, that's, that's, let me ask you a question. How many t- like, if you went up against Champ Bailey, you might have had a good game here or there. And I, and I know that you play, you know, sometimes you play in the slot, so it's different, but I'm just using him as an example. Um, if you played against Champ Bailey, and you, what would be a good game for you in that scenario? Well, since I was the number three, a good game for me would have been four catches for about 50 or 60 yards. Okay. Well, I mean, Anthony Davis playing well every other – playing not well, like incredibly every other game. And, by the way, still contributing, even though his numbers weren't great on offense, in a monster way on defense, I would say is still pretty damn good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you're playing against the best of the best – and I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is young, but he's the defensive player of the year for a reason. He's been in that finalist group for a couple of years now. Like He's not some bum we're talking about here. No, I'm not saying AD's a bum. What I'm saying is No, no, is no. That... I mean, I'm talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a bum. Like He's going up against arguably a guy who for the last couple of seasons has been one of the best defenders in the sport. So let me let me get in here uh, real quick, Sedano, because I, I hear what you're saying. For me, I think part of this is about the way I regard the Lakers' concept of retired jerseys. I'm not going to pretend that I watched Jamal Wilkes play. Like, look, most of his dominance, I was a little kid. But even just looking at their website when they talk about why he was retired, you're talking about somebody that is still to this day 10th in, uh, in franchise in points, averaged 20 or more points for three straight seasons, won three championships with the team, was a key member of them for those three championships. Uh, when I think Lakers retired, I think, oh my God, era of dominance, right? Like, so for me, when I think of the current NBA, I'm not sitting here shivering in my boots over Anthony Davis. He's one of many very good players, but he's not wow, sitting here. You guys here. are being really disrespectful to that dude. Like, no, I don't even understand. Like, I think he's very like, good. I, I, listen, hold on. I get that the man's been injured a lot. He hasn't played as many games as you want. 
But as far as pure talent is concerned, he's one of the best players on the planet. Like, what are we talking about? He is one of the best players on the planet. But he's going. So why are we bringing up the Jerry Jackson Jr. case? Let me get in. He is one of the best players on the planet. But when we talk about the epic Lakers that I grew up, it wasn't one of. It was the Kareem was the Magic was the Kobe was the Shaq was the Jamal Wilkes was not the. James Worthy was not the James Worthy was a great player, but James Worthy wasn't considered one of the best players on the planet. He was he was even he was the third best player on his own team. So like what again? I still don't understand what we're doing here. Like Anthony Davis, Harry, you brought up well Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great defensive player. We already established that. that he's the reigning defensive player of the year. By the way, you talked about Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark. During the season, when those dudes play, Anthony Davis cooked them for nearly 30 points a game. So what are we talking about here? So, so does AD need to win a championship, or is he already in, in your mind? With the bubble he, championship, he's, he's, he's cemented what he needs to in his legacy? I would, I would say in today's day and age, because you, you also talked about you know, Jamal Wilkes being 10th in scoring, he also played for the Lakers for a long stretch of time. We're in a day fair. and age where guys don't play for teams for very long. So, yes, the answer is yes. In my opinion, he's already in. And if he wins a second championship, it's not even a debate. Wow. I, look, I, he's already in. He's already in. I, I just I, – Did I, I stutter? I, that. <laughs> look, simmer down, I mean, Sedano. Now. I, simmer no, down a little look, bit. Look, George, you're, you're, you're out there and you're in the thick of it. I, like, I'm not, I'm not doubting that at all. We obviously view AD much differently than you do. And, again, this is not – I'm not saying this uh, to – I know it sounds like we're being wildly disrespectful to Anthony Davis. I'm not. I just don't – like Incredibly you know, I, disrespectful, no, I, don't I look. I don't, I don't look at Anthony Davis today and say, man, <laughs> I'd rather have – like, I'd rather have Giannis than Anthony Davis today. Like, I don't think that's a sure, hot take. Okay. Like, so, right. like that, That's one dude. You well, know what I mean? And, by the way, I, I mean, yes, I'd rather have Giannis because he's generally not as hurt as, as Anthony Davis. But if we're just talking, like, actual skill level – Anthony Davis is more skilled than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, uh, I mean, really? Did you watch the last series? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand that. I mean, Eric Spolstra, Eric Spolstra, in two out of the three times he's faced him in the playoffs, has just has 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 limited him in a way that made him look human. I, I don't take anything away from that. I think we live in a, in a world right now yeah, where I, I don't different I, coaches, I'm, different matchups. Like I, I mean, we're going to look at that that Bucks series for a long time and try and figure out give, what we're. Give wrong me Giannis. There. Give me Giannis. If we're talking about availability as part of the equation, there's no doubt. Um, but I, it, as far as like actual skill, like Anthony Davis is a more skilled player than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, see, he's, I, a, he's a better shooter. I give him that. Correct. He's a better shooter. That's part of skill. Yeah, I understand, but Anthony Davis can't create his own shot. That's a part of skill as well. Mm, and we know he can, I, I no, know he cannot that. create his own shot. Anthony I mean, Davis cannot create his own shot. Better. I think Giannis does it better for sure, but I don't but I don't I wouldn't just like summarily say he can't create his own shot. Yeah, Giannis is one example of in in a, in a NBA to your point, uh, one of the hardest things about the NBA now is the game is so different. There are a bunch of talented players. That's one of the great gifts of the current NBA. There are a lot of really talented guys. I think AD is one of the most talented guys in the league. I just don't look at him as this, oh my God, epic force that 30 years from now we'll be talking to our kids about. And that is where Me, most of the Lakers... one of the top 75 players in the game. Like, they, 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 the league said that, not me. So, I mean, you think when we tell the stories of the last three years in, in 25 years, we're going to be talking about AD? He's only 28 years old, Fitz. Like, what are we talking about here? His career's not over yet. Oh, I know like, it's not over. This is why I don't, 
I don't love having these discussions at this time, but even though it's been fun to have it with you guys. And uh, and Harry, that, I'm just Hispanic, bro. We just yell at everybody. So oh, I mean, no, don't, no, no, don't no, 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 no. Oh, listen, George, you know, you know, I would, it, I, you know, I didn't take it like personal. You like, know he's that. 28 years old, like his career's not over yet. The uh, the debate will rage on, my friend. Uh, we appreciate your expertise, even though you didn't agree with us. We're going to talk to Evan afterwards about only booking people that agree with us from now on that are smart. Well, uh, well, listen, he, is, he is he is not in on, the rafters right now. No, he's not in the rafters. Last time I was on, Harry was right on everything. You, Fitz, were wrong on everything. All of it, all of it. Miserably wrong. And this time around, you're both wrong, so it's okay. okay. (laughs) This is what happens when you work with me long enough, man. I just dumb the whole thing down. This is what I do. This is what I do. This is your problem. You you hooked yourself to this dude, and this now, look what's happening. Sinking ship quickly. Sedano, always appreciate your time, brother. Appreciate your friendship. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, man. All right, gentlemen. Have a great show. All right. Will we get a LeBron game at all this series? Do they even need it? I mean, AD obviously is the best player in the history. Of, I'm being snarky now. We'll break down whether or not we'll get a LeBron game next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. James and the Lakers steal home court advantage away from the Warriors with a huge Game 1 win in San Francisco. How will Golden State respond? Coverage begins tomorrow at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, through all the debate of Anthony Davis, what it comes down to is that the Lakers played a hell of a game last night. They got everything they could ever want from AD in a massive game. They got everything they could ever want from LeBron in a massive game. And they just outwilled the Warriors with their size. And they were willing to run with them, which brings up at least an interesting point made by Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider on Get Up, about the pace of play specifically and whether or not that can be something they keep up in this series. There is no way, as great as Anthony Davis played, one of the great games of his career, 30 and 23, there is no way he can play every other day and play 45 minutes like he did in that game. It is too much to ask. He did not come out in the second half. That was on three days rest. I don't think there's any way that they can keep doing it. It is insane to me to think that LeBron James can continue to play that many minutes, over 40 minutes at that pace. The Lakers played at a breakneck pace. They can't keep doing that every day. LeBron will not make it. So the question becomes, Harry, when you start looking at LeBron and AD and we see all the performance they got, I mean, what do we need from LeBron in this series for the for the Lakers to be able to win it? Does, does he have to have one of those LeBron-type games? I think he, he has to have at least one of them. And, like, LeBron's always going to be, you know, the guy that holds things, uh, things together. Like, in game one, he had 22 and 11 rebounds, but he was one for eight from the three-point line. But I think, you know, you look at game four in the Memphis series and he had 20 points and I think 2020 game, right? Because I was making jokes about the 2020 vision. I think he needs one of those games, but probably in a different capacity, right? 
where he probably has about 30 points and I would say 12 rebounds, and he's just going off. I don't think Anthony Davis needs to have every single game like we had in game one. I mean, that would be a luxury if he's able to do that. But I think when you have a guy like LeBron James, who's one of the greatest players to ever play in the NBA, I think he's going to have at least one, maybe two, phenomenal games that takes a little pressure off Anthony Davis. Well, and I keep thinking about something you pointed out earlier when we talk about the pace play here, because uh, this was a a frantic paced game, and we expected a little of that. The Lakers seemed pretty prepared for that, particularly got to give a shout out as we have to Schroeder and Vanderbilt for their ability to run around with Steph. But one thing you've pointed out a few times is that this version of LeBron, a little older LeBron, has been smart basketball IQ LeBron for a very long time. Understands when he needs to put the you know, put the gas down and when he needs to sort of pump it, right? Like he understands when he needs to give a little bit more in all of this. I think there's a measured approach to the way LeBron is going after these games. Can LeBron give you a 2020? Yeah. Will he be able to give you much the the game after that? We saw that in the Memphis series and there was a real conversation, you know, from Jay Will and from all of our NBA guys and from you, like talking about the fact that when you're every other night, that becomes tougher. So I, I wonder if realistically LeBron just needs to more important than anything simply be consistent not try and be herculean because every other night will be a grind throughout the course of this series well i love the 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 iq of lebron and the intelligence because there were a few plays last night that i thought was just phenomenal by him austin reeves is driving the lane the shot clock is going down he understands that andrew wiggins is sleeping on defense so he goes in for the alley hoop you know when the warriors were making a comeback last night and I think it was a Anthony Davis block or Vanderbilt block. One of the two guys blocked the shot. LeBron immediately understood the situation in the game at that time and immediately went down in transition and got fouled. Now, he only hit one free, one of the, one of the free throws, but it's just that basketball IQ understanding, you know what, let me get it and go right now because the Warriors are on a run. Let's try to stop this. Let's get some points some kind of way in transition. So it's, it's those IQ moments for me that I really respect for LeBron James that he's actually had since, you know, first coming into the, uh, the NBA. Well, and when you look at the way they've built this series and the way we've built up this series, the thing of it is size size is going to be there every day. We know that. The size of the Lakers is going to be an issue every single game for the Warriors. So the question is, can the Warriors try and take any sort of advantage by simply running them into the ground? You know, we all, no matter what you're doing, when you're facing somebody bigger than you, eventually you just want to wear them down and hope that you can run around them, right? Like there was, there were two things that were interesting about the Warriors game plan last night that we sort of mentioned. One is obviously that the Warriors were trying to get their spacing right. But two is that even when the Warriors collapsed the lane and drove towards the the bucket, they seemed to have some level of hesitation because there was such effect from LeBron AD shot blocking, right? So it was altering shots constantly. So the Warriors are going to have to adjust to that. And as they adjust to that, it just feels like they're going to try and make the Lakers run more, move more uh, throughout the course of playing defensively, particularly because you just don't want that mammoth tower of a man just standing there waiting for you to come in so that he can send the ball back to you with aggressiveness. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, also I think they're going to have to put more offensive people on the court, uh, the Golden State Warriors, that is, because... When you have Looney and Draymond on the court at the same time, now you're allowing a Anthony Davis, you're allowing a LeBron James to sit there in the paint and wait on anybody who wants to drive that lane. Now, when you add Jordan Poole to the mix and you take out a Looney, now that's another offensive threat. 
that the Lakers have to worry about and one less guy that has to, you know, that can just sit in that lane and, and, and wait for somebody and, and be able to block shots. So I think that's something Steve Kerr is going to have to probably go to if he wants the offense to be more fluid moving forward. There are two series so far that have coaches that continue to get benefit of the doubt, deservedly so. Eric Spolster with Miami is going to always get benefit of the doubt. Steve Kerr is too. So I think one of the most intriguing things that we're going to see in game two is what adjustments does he make? Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, what does the return of the MVP mean for one championship contender? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. stormed into Boston and James Harden went off. Now the Celtics face a critical game too. Can they tie the series at one? Or will the Sixers take the 2-0 lead to Philadelphia? Coverage begins tonight at 7.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Very little lives up to the hype. But the NBA playoffs so far have absolutely done that and more. It continues tonight with more incredible matchups. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. PJ Carlissimo and Mark Kestisher will be on the call tonight. Coverage starts at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You don't want to miss any of that. Speaking of which, PJ joins us right now, ESPN Radio NBA analyst. Always appreciate your time, my friend, uh, and especially given how much you're working right now. Appreciate you giving us a little of your voice. Uh, we've been talking. We'll get to tonight's game in a second. Uh, as we broke down the Lakers and Anthony Davis, what you saw last night, do you feel like that's a repeatable performance by the Lakers and AD? Well, I think it's repeatable. I don't know whether it's repeatable four times or not. Uh, there, there's no question they're capable of that, and and. What they obviously had, in addition to AD playing, you know, like AD's capable of playing, um, they had a lot of help. A, a lot of other guys stepped up and played really well. And I thought D'Angelo played well. Um, obviously, Vanderbilt's defense. There were a lot of good things that happened for the Lakers last night. And I'm not going to be shocked if, if it happens again. I, I don't know if it can happen four times. I don't know if uh, Steph's going to, by his standards, I mean, we happen to have had uh, the game Sunday in, in Sacramento, Kesty and I were there with John Madani, and uh, that one would, would be hard to duplicate. But I don't think Steph's going to shoot it the way he shot it last night uh, too many times in this series either. What did you think of the defensive performance by the Los Angeles Lakers? Because when you, you look at Draymond and Kayvon Looney being on the court and Anthony Davis and LeBron James being able to hang into the paint, did you think that was a phenomenal strategy by Darvin Ham? I thought it was very sound strategy, and uh, again, when when something's working, and it was, and 
really other than Cloud. Jordan Poole played way better than he played in the Sacramento series. He really struggled in the Sacramento series. And I thought Clay was uh, was good last night, but they, they didn't have quite enough. You know, nights when one of the Splash Brothers or one of the, I, I say four, counting the two Splash Brothers in Wiggins and Jordan Poole, when one or two of them, all of a sudden, everybody, you know, right away starts going, they can't play Looney and Draymond at the same time when when they when they all have it going or three of them really have it going, um, it's it's not a it's not a problem. But I, I think the Lakers, I thought the strategy was good and it worked, so they stayed with it. You know, I, I think you got to change a little bit how you're playing if it's not going well. If Steph's having another one of those or a typical Steph night, it would have been a little more difficult. And I just think it would have been a you know real close game to the end. But um, those there's a a lot of pressure. But those four guys have got to play well. At least three of them have to play well for Golden State to win. Steph, Clay, um, Wig, and uh, Jordan Poole. We're talking ESPN Radio NBA analyst PJ Carlissimo and Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Let's move to tonight. Uh, obviously, you guys have that call on ESPN Radio. So what should we expect from Joel Embiid, presuming he does get back on the floor tonight for Philadelphia? Well, I think we, we talked to Doc um, about an hour ago, hour and a half ago, and Doc that he thought he looked good at the shoot-around, and, and you don't know. And I don't know whether recently minted MVP, he'll feel like he should play more. I don't think they'll mess around with that. Um, if, if he's good to go, they're going to go after this second win. There's no question. And if you look at the four box scores, I didn't see all four games. I saw two of them. Uh, regular season, Philly against Boston, uh, Joel torched them. Uh, you know, he torches everybody, but, I mean, they really had problems with him. Um, and if, if he comes and plays like MVP Joel, like he's played for most of the year, that's going to be a problem. But, you know, having said that, Boston doesn't have to do a lot different offensively than they did last game. The numbers they put up were staggering. Uh, it just wasn't enough because James Harden was out of his mind. And in the first half in particular, you know, Boston's a pretty good defensive team. They have not been as good in, in the playoffs, even the, the six games against Atlanta, a, a couple of them, they threw in some clunkers. And uh, the first game was like a shootout. I couldn't believe it. I expected to see these two teams, particularly Philadelphia without Joel. Um, and, you know, I, I think two very good Boston's an exceptional defensive team. I mean, it looked like at halftime it was an ABA game. It looked like it was going to be 140-135. <laughs> uh, you know, in the second half, Philadelphia's defense really picked up. I thought they played a lot harder they were more physical they got they got the Celtics off their spots a little bit better uh, they still didn't keep Jason it seemed like every time Jason Tatum or James Harden wanted to go to the basket they got a layup I mean it was unbelievable how many times the two of them were at the rim uh, the entire game so um, I, I, I expect Boston Boston's going to come out the even games to me I've always said it's not like a theory it's obvious but you know, the odd games, a game like game one, you don't know who, who's going to be more ready, who's tired because they had a longer series, who's rusty because they didn't play. James, uh, Joel misses game four against Brooklyn and, and uh, game one the other night. But game, game, games two and four and six, usually you got one team behind game two. You always have one team behind one, you know, one nothing. And the other team plays with more desperation. Uh, and even, you know, it happens when it's 2-1, it happens – you know, if it's 3-2, like one team is just frothing at the mouth because they know, hey, we can't afford to lose this game. Uh, and that, to me, is oftentimes 
it's not the deciding factor, just a major factor in the game. Like, can Philly play as desperate as Boston is going to play tonight? I think that's that's the challenge for the Sixers. And if Embiid comes in and, you know, doesn't play like he's rusty, hasn't played in a week or whatever it's been, we had game three of um, Philadelphia-Brooklyn. That seems like a long time ago, the game he got hurt. I can't remember when the hell it was, but it seems like a long time ago. And if, if he hasn't played in that long a time, you wonder – you know, what you're going to get. But, um, well, I'll tell you what, Boston's got, if he does come in and play with, uh, you know, uh, incredible effort and, you know, like he's played all year, um, it, it's it's going to be difficult. But I, I like Boston offensively. I'm surprised the way they defended in game one. They need to get back to defending the way they did in the regular season. Coach, if there's one thing Celtics head coach Joe Mazzula needs to change or alter, alter in game two, what is that one thing in your eyes? I, I just think the end of the game, they, did, they didn't play with a heck of a lot of poise. And it's strange because, you know, they're, they're the second best record in the entire uh, league. They have the best record Boston's had in a real long time. I'm fumbling for my notes while I'm talking to you because when I saw the thing, it's really impressive. Um, you know, their record, most wins since 08-09 for the Boston Celtics. Having said that, they were 4-7 and seven in overtime games. They're their own worst enemy sometimes. You just wonder at the end, sometimes their shot selection or, or, or what they're doing at the end of the game. I, I don't think they have to change too many things on the offensive end. They, they certainly got to change some things on the defensive end. And if, you know... James Harden puts up another vintage. I, I was surprised because I was looking at my notes and I thought I had already, I had made a mistake and already written it. I, you know, I had written James had seven made threes in Game One, ties his you know uh, playoff record. That was Game One against Brooklyn. He did it again Game One on Monday. So he's had seven threes in the two Game Ones uh, in this series. So. Uh, he's capable, you know, I said to Doc, Doc, are you surprised? He said, no, I got, you know, I'm not 45 points. I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because he, they've asked him to be a playmaker, to be a pass first guy, uh, and to shoot when, you know, when they need to, when he's the guy on the floor. And it's not easy for a guy that, you know, has had the ball in his hand the whole time and has always been a score first, uh, point guard. Now he, he got a ton of assists. Don't get me wrong. All throughout his career. But he played just so differently than he's playing now. Um, so you, you wonder, like, can Joel come back and James still play as, w- as well as he played or score, you know, when, when he needs to? Because it really looked like the other night, whenever they needed him to score, he scored. It, was, it literally looked that simple. I know it wasn't. Those guys that were guarding him were trying to play him, but it, did, it didn't look like they impacted him at all during the course of the game. Coach, what I'm sure of, I can't guarantee anything about the game. I can guarantee you guys will always kick butt with a call. It's always fun to listen to you. Thanks for giving us the expertise today. Oh, great, Jason. Harry. Good being with you guys. Yeah, we're, I'm, we're selfishly we're looking forward. We're going to be game four in Philly too, so we're gonna we're gonna love this series a little bit. So we'll we'll balance <laughs> what's going on at our. On that other coast out there. So uh, thank you for having us. <laughs> Appreciate you, PJ Carlos. You can check him out tonight on the call for Celtics 76ers. A absolute must-watch game, must-listen-to game on ESPN Radio. Every second of it will be right here. Coming up, the one argument nobody wanted to make today. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Their jerseys are in the rafters. Um, and AD will be up there when he's done playing. And, and uh, you know, the number three will be up in the rafters. Well, he said Anthony Davis' number's going to be in the rafters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't mean like he's going to be standing up there hanging out with everybody else in the rafters looking at the rafters looking at him. He means like the jersey's actually going to be retired. I said if he gets one this year. <laughs> Guys, I do think the Pau Gasol one is, is a good comparison. AD with, in his time with the Lakers, that, more points, but that, that more was rebounds. Kobe's endorsement. That's Kobe's endorsement. And this is Anthony Davis. That was LeBron's endorsement. We're in a day and age where guys don't play for teams for very long. So, yes, the answer is yes. In my opinion, he's already in. And if he wins a second championship, it's not even a debate. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You can tell we're, we're fired up today. Fired up about the Lakers. Fired up about the Warriors. Kudos to a great game last night. Honestly, Harry, like, the, so far, I said this as we were about to talk to P.J. Carlissimo, but you can look across the gate. If you look at the series we have right now, I mean, Philly-Boston gave us an incredible game one we couldn't have ever imagined uh, from James Harden, and now we get the return of the MVP in all likelihood tonight. Uh, the Lakers-Golden State uh, gave us all the drama we could ask for last night. A great performance from Anthony Davis that has the, the show just raging on whether or not his number will already be retired as a Laker. I mean, think about that conversation. Uh, Miami and the Knicks have given us two incredible games. Last night comes down to the wire. The only series so far that really hasn't lived up to the billing <laughs> is the Suns taking on the Nuggets because oh, if we're just being real and honest for a second, nobody cares about the Nuggets and the Suns haven't played well enough to even get <laughs> – like the Nuggets going to go out here and sleepily remind everybody that like while we're not paying attention, the Joker's going to get the last laugh and it's just going to annihilate everybody on the way to a final. Well, I would say this. The way the Nuggets are playing and you know what they're able to get – from Jamal Murray, not the last game because he was a little bit off, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Jr., KCP, and Eric Gordon, those guys, Fitz, they're, they're the number one seed for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and discredit the Denver Nuggets from potentially winning the NBA championship this year. No, but it, and I know – but we get enamored, though, bro, like, like by the, you know, by the, the flash and the three-pointers and, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant – the reason why I think a lot of people aren't high on the Nuggets is because they aren't sexy when, when they do it. You're right. like Because Jokic could walk into a Starbucks and people look over and be like, he's tall. Like, that, like there is not that same, like, oh, my God, that's Joel Embiid. Like, yeah, it is. I'm laughing about it because there's this funny thing where a lot of us are doing this. You sit here and say, man, we're getting LeBron versus Steph right now. These, this is epic. Does AD belong yep. in the rafters? We've been arguing about it for hours with callers, with experts, just arguing about it. It's great, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, then your mind goes forward. It's like, oh, we're getting Boston versus Philly here. And the Knicks versus Miami and Jimmy Butler, the way he's playing with Spo as the coach. And like... Oh my God, we can end up with Boston or the Knicks or the 76ers taking on LeBron or Steph. Think about these matchups all the way to the ratings. In the meantime, Jokic is like, hey guys, um, I'm, a, I'm just going to go over here and keep making things look easy. And uh, y'all aren't going to be very happy with me when I just keep eliminating teams. It's like, KD, got him, done. He'll take the next team, whichever one it is, <laughs> Lakers, Warriors. He's like, ah, that's no big deal. Got him, done. Like, that is the the funny thing about the entire way we're covering that, like, we forget that the best team left seeding wise, record wise, all those things 
It's definitely Denver. It's well, just- also, they have the back-to-back MVP award winner uh, before Joel Embiid got announced that he wanted this season. And you talk about a guy who doesn't play above the rim. And I, and I think that's one of the things that make people look at. You know, Jokic isn't a high flyer. Uh, a lot of times people on the East Coast don't see their games because they're playing so late at nighttime. But I'm going to tell you this, man. This Denver Nuggets team, don't count them out because they're making a case right now to potentially win the NBA championship. I mean, what? there's one thread that I'm going to give you some names. Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, Jokic, uh, what do they all share in common right now? They're all better than AD. And AD's number is supposedly going to be retired. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just making a laundry list of the guys. He's done right enough now. to have his jersey retire. Oh, man. Without even doing a single extra. I can't wrap, I can't wrap my head uh, yeah. around it. I just, uh, I just look, can't. Look, I, I, think, I think maybe a lot of people out in California have been partying the way I usually party right after, you know, Fitz and Harry's done. Like, you pop mm. a couple edibles, you sit back and you say, yeah, that's my team. That's my way. Uh, that being said, there is, uh, there is plenty left to be said for AD in the rest of this process. Like, for all the debate about what's going to happen, let's be honest for a second. If Anthony Davis comes out and he is the most dominant player in this series and they get a win over a brand like the Warriors and then they do go out and get a win over either KD or the Nuggets and then like the title scenario here is a much different one like if we're talking about AD goes in and is clearly the best player on the Lakers all the way to another championship this is probably a much different conversation than wow he had a great game last night but let's see if he can have two in a row no no I I agree with you 1000% because there would have been a gauntlet that that he would have uh, went through to, in order to get to that point and win an NBA championship. And it's, you're not just going to cakewalk over anybody to, uh, on that journey. But I will say this, though. I, I want to see Anthony Davis, you know, consistently do it over and over again because there are a lot, a lot of narratives out there or question marks that if he can do it. And, you know, he's always hurt. If he can consistently be dominant in this series and potentially win it in the rest of the playoffs, then – you know, the case may be made for itself. Uh, most important question for the entire show staff. With the Rangers and Bruins eliminated tonight, the Golden Knights are back in action. We're all Golden <laughs> Knights fans, right? The Golden Knights have had a long break. Like, it feels like I'm, I'm summer for break. Your team. I'm rooting for your team. Gold, Golden Knights? Harry, what I, text, what I text yesterday, Harry? I can't remember, Evan. I'm rooting for Connor McDavid. I want to see. Oh, the, that's I want right. to see he the did. best player in hockey win the Stanley Cup. I'm sorry, I root for greatness. I want to see Connor McDavid. I'm rooting for. Eddie if you want to see it, are they going to give you a booster chair to be able to watch the TV in? Like, oh, how do you actually see this the is screen? What he does this is what he you does? You take he, shots. That wasn't done. even a situation for you to take a shot at him. He was anti my team. Off. Uh, listen to more Fitz and Harry tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.